Welcome to the Word of Life Ministry Wednesday night Bible study via conference call. I am your host, Elder Lorraine Hopkins. Our church is located at 1600 Conley Road in Conley, Georgia, 30288. We invite you to take advantage of our food pantry services on Thursdays between the hours of 10 a.m. and 12 noon and on Saturdays between the hours of noon and 2 p.m. Our weekly conference calls provide a platform for our supporting ministerial staff to share a message of hope and life with the people of God in relation to our church's monthly topic of study. We hope that you enjoy today's service and find something in it that resonates within your heart and drives your love and passion towards our Savior. We also hope that this message enhances your knowledge of God's word and your personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. So sit back, relax, take plenty of notes and enjoy the word. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I give honor to the true and the living God. Bless God for his, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God for another opportunity to be in his presence, to be among the living, to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I give honor to him. I give honor to our senior pastor, Elder Dr. Shelley D. Boone II, and to all the elders, Elder Hopkins, Elder Brown, Elder Owens, Elder Chris, Elder Respert, to the ministers of the gospel, Minister Glanton, Minister Izubine, uh, to our deacons, Deacon Willie Brown, Deacon Charles Chris, and our deacon-elect, uh, uh, Kane Ferguson and Eric Fears to all of our auxiliaries, to all of our visitors, members, and friends. Uh, I just certainly greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is indeed an honor to um, speak a word on behalf of the Lord today, uh, and I will stick with the key scripture, which is Genesis uh, chapter 15, starting at verse 1. And by the way, we thank God for all of the announcements and for the opening prayer by uh, Elder Chris. The atmosphere has certainly been saturated with the spirit of the living God. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 says, uh, it reads, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and I exceedingly Thy exceeding great reward. That is God's blessed word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come tonight on this day, being that this is the day that you have made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank your God for your our holy presence, for the Holy Ghost leading and guiding us in all truth and righteousness. We thank your God for putting us on one accord giving us the ear to hear what the, what your spirit has to say to the church on tonight. We ask, oh God, that you prepare our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our souls to receive what thus saith the Lord. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. For a subject tonight, the Lord, our exceedingly great reward. 
our exceedingly great reward. That is, the Lord is our exceedingly great reward. Uh, And we are very familiar with what rewards are because uh, oftentimes they are uh, associated with a prize of some sort. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, the Webster Dictionary defines reward as a thing given in recognition of one's service, effort, or achievement, or is something given in recognition of a good act. That's the worldly um, meaning of reward. But when it comes to our God, our Lord and Savior, the true and the living God, the, the Lord being our exceedingly great reward, that simply means he is indeed our satisfaction. Regardless of what happens to us, the experiences we have in life, if we look to the Lord, who is indeed the author and the finisher of our faith, we will find satisfaction in him. We will find comfort in times of need. When we are down and out, we will find healing in times of uh, illness and illnesses and afflictions. We will find peace in the middle of a storm. He is indeed our satisfaction. And the word of the Lord, he says that he is exceedingly our great satisfaction or our great reward. In this particular chapter of Genesis, we know that um, in chapter 14 that Lot had journeyed with Abraham. They had journeyed together from Hiram to the land of promise, the land of Canaan. They were all together until they became so prosperous that the land was not big enough to contain their animals, the blessings of the Lord. And we know that God's word say that the blessings of the Lord make it be rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So God always gives us instructions on what we are to do when things sometimes become so overwhelming. And who knows tonight that the blessings of the Lord can become overwhelming, and God will give us some instructions on what we are to do with those blessings. Uh, but their animals couldn't even graze together with so many of them. Um, and uh, Abraham, being a man full of wisdom, told his uh, nephew, who was like a son to him, that uh, it would be better if they just separate. And he even gave his nephew uh, the first choice. And we know that Lot, he saw the beauty and the fertility of the um, Jordan of, of, of the, the Jordan Valley, and he decided that he would pitch his tent toward Sodom. But we know also in reading chapter 14 that there were four kings from the area of what we know to be today as modern Iran and Iraq, and they had come together to uh, take over the land. And they had uh, actually defeated the king of Sodom, Sodom, and they had taken Lot and his family as hostages. Abraham, being a concerned father, uncle, when he got the news, he went, uh, got his servants, his arm, and he became armed with his servants and uh, men of valor, I would say. And they actually 
joined together and went and defeated the four kings. We also know by way of chapter 14 that once Abraham defeated them, that the king of Sodom, Sodom was so grateful that he came out, uh, he came to meet Abraham, and he recommended to Abraham that he was to keep all the spoil and uh, all he wanted Abraham to do was to return the people to the king. And at that time, by the way, his name was still Abram. It hadn't been changed yet to Abraham. Um, But Abraham didn't want it to be known for generations to come that perhaps one would associate his blessings from the king of Sodom rather from God Almighty. So he actually refused the blessings from the king of Sodom. He didn't want the king to have bragging rights about making Abraham rich uh, or, or coming to his rescue or giving him what he had. Because sometimes when people bless us, they want to take credit for uh, perhaps making us who we are when we know that all blessings come from the Lord. They flow from God Almighty. But it was after all of this had transpired that God began to speak to Abraham, which brings us to where we are today uh, in verse chapter 15, verse 1. And God comes to Abraham in a vision, and he tells Abraham to uh, not be afraid because Abraham probably started having some second thoughts about whether or not he should have taken the spoils from uh, king, the king of Sodom or just what his um, future would look like. He probably had some questions, and he especially had some questions for God concerning some of the promises that God uh, was about to, was, was, had made to Abraham, to Abraham. So in this vision, he begins to talk to God. Uh, because he started telling him about the fact that, God, you say that my uh, descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the pebbles of sand on the beach, but yet I don't have any children yet. And you see, Abram was called by God when he was 75 years old. That was back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. And here he was still without any um any seed, any children, any of his direct descendants. Yes, he was a father to um, to his uh, his uh, brother's son Lot, but he wanted his own children. And so God began to minister to Abraham. He began to speak to him, uh, and he actually this led up to a covenant, a co- the covenant that God had with Abraham. Uh, he actually declared to Abraham on that particular day, in that particular chapter, and that verse, that he was his shield, meaning that he was his protection, and he said that I am your exceeding great reward. I am your great satisfaction. He says, basically, I am everything that you need for your safety, for your security, and even for your needs. So I want to make a few points tonight based upon that statement that God himself 
spoke to Abraham by way of vision. And the first point that I would like to make is that we need to let God be enough. God is really more than enough for us. We know that God is our sustainer. He's our shield. He's our reward. Hallelujah. Uh, that's why in, in, in chapter 14, verse 22, uh, Abram, Abraham, he knew it too. He says, I am in, chapter, in verse 22 of the preceding chapter, he says to the king of Sodom, he says, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, my God. Hallelujah. So really Abram Abraham and we again we know that it's speaking of Abram, but if you all would just um uh lend me your hearts and just let me use Abraham at this point. I like just call him Abraham. He had come to a place where God he had come to a place in God and a place in what God provided that he realized that it was enough. He believed in God's reward. He didn't need the blessings of Sodom because he had the blessings of God. You know, and that's not to say that we are to reject blessings that God bestowed upon us by way of people because God can use anybody, including our enemies, to be a blessing to us. But we must always understand where the blessings come from. And we must also understand that it is okay to tell someone thank you when they bless you. But at the same time, we give the glory to God Almighty. So it's good to see others use uh, their their uh, belief in God, their blessings from God to be blessings to others. Uh, that's That's God's way. And but there are times, um, people of God, when we are having some experiences where we are between the promise and the fulfillment of what we greatly need. So we know that God has made the promise, but the fulfillment of that need that we have at the moment it hasn't been met yet. And if we're not careful, sometimes. Uh, really much too often we'll slip because we sometimes get weak, we get tired of waiting. That's why God's word, when we guard it in our hearts and write it up on even the tablets of our hearts and hold fast to that word, that would give us the endurance to hold on until our change comes. There's a song that I loved growing up, and it was going. It was, uh, uh, I'm gonna. I'm sorry that I'm gonna wait until my change come, my Lord. And as a matter of fact, Job says that in Job chapter 14, verse 14, he says, "If a man die, shall he live again?" And he said, "All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come." That's for the, I think that's what the songwriter that say I'm gonna wait <laughs> until my change come. He got that the songwriter got that from that verse. You know, a lot of times God's word gives us a vision, 
even in a song, a poem, a saying, even in our prayers of what we are to do. Um, But the enemy is so witty and he's so clever that Satan himself will begin to tempt us. And if we're not careful, we'll come to a place in our minds where we think God is no longer enough or that he's not responding to us fast enough or he's not coming to our rescue in time and we just can't hold on not a minute longer. But we must go back to Sodom, hallelujah, and remember that Abraham, be strengthened by Abraham when he gave us a revelation that we are to just wait on God and not compromise, not sacrifice. Um, We must always let God be enough. And uh, he assures Abraham, Abraham, and he's assuring us in this teaching that he will be our protector and he will be our provider and that he will defend us. just the mere fact that his presence is with us. He said that he would be with with us always, even to the end of time. And just as this was an important message for Israel, it's an important message for us today that God is enough, and we just need to make sure that we let him be enough. The reason that he's not enough is because of us. It's not because of God. God is everything. The second point I want to make is that uh, we need to see past our circumstances. There is a period that we have to live in that's between the promise and the fulfillment of what we need. And it's during that interval that we must be able to see past our circumstances. In other words, when we find ourselves faced with not having enough, we need to see ourselves as being very vibrant and having not just enough, but having more than enough. And that's seeing past our current circumstances. Abraham couldn't see it, but he willed himself to see it. And we too must will ourselves to see it. Because in the natural, we can't. God saw that Abraham having descendants, as I said earlier, being as numerous as the stars in the sky and as numerous as the sand, the pebbles of sand on the seashore. And that means God's vision was so much further than, his vision is always so much further than ours. And we know why. Because God, he sees the beginning and the end at the same time. He's not bound by time periods, by circumstances and occurrences. Uh, He sees it all. He sees the problem and he sees the solution all at the same time. And God, his timing is not our timing. It's not like our timing. We're looking at days, calendar days, and clocks, and uh, we're looking at uh, just time in general. And it just seems like sometimes God's work more slowly than we, we like for him to. 
uh, and he was working slowly in Abraham's life, more slowly than Abraham wanted him to. And so it's during that time period that we have to see further than the circumstances of the situations that we are currently confronted with. That may mean we need to get down low on our knees and look under our circumstances, or it may mean that we need to get on top of the table and look above our circumstances. Hallelujah. So whatever it takes to look past our circumstances, we need to do it. We may need to have a vision board up that show us with what we will believe in God for, whether it's divine healing in our body. We need to see ourselves running when we can just barely take a step. We need to see ourselves, my God, sitting at the table with a spread like none other when all we have is a piece of bread, my God. We must see our children obeying and doing what they have been taught, what we have instilled in them, instead of being knuckleheads. (laughs) We just need to see past, and whatever it takes for you to see past your circumstances, that you do. And most of the time, it's really a matter of getting down on your knees and praying to God for his supernatural endurance and staying power so that we can look under our circumstances, beyond. We're looking under, but we're looking beyond or looking over and looking beyond where we are currently. We must understand that we have a secret weapon. If we say that God Almighty is our exceedingly great reward, that means we have this secret weapon, and the weapon is God himself. And God will always speak to us beyond what we can see. My God, we have pages and pages and chapters and chapters and books and books of the Bible with all of his promises being yea and amen. My God, and every bit of God's word paints the picture of what he is doing beyond our circumstances. My God, And, 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 and if we just get this in our spirit, That looking past our circumstances means that we're looking into God's reality. God's reality is we're coming out. We're coming out with the goods. We're coming out uh, not smelling like smoke. We're coming out not looking like we've been beat up. My God, we're coming out dressed up, y'all. We're coming out in power and might by the living God. You see, the Apostle Paul, he knew it well, my God. And he had a special skill, I must say, where he would push past all of his suffering, even in order to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He understood fully that there was more to life than his circumstances. A lot of times we get so stuck in where we are in our circumstances and we become so selfish because it becomes all about us and the problems that we are confronted with. And really, in order to get through it, sometimes it looks at, it, it takes rather, looking at someone else who's in a worse situation than we are. My God. Abraham. My God. It's, it says in chapters, in verse 6, it says, 
that he believed in the Lord, and he and he counted it to him for righteousness. He believed God. He became the father of faith. He heard the promises of God, and he believed it. And that, y'all, is what it's going to take for us to deal with all this worldly stuff, things that we know by way of the word, because the word of God gives us revelation on what is to come. Hallelujah. But it also provides us with how we become overcomers. And so God had already given Abraham major promises in Genesis chapter 12. And he had, uh, Abraham had worshiped the Lord, in, you know, at various altars that he had built. And he had even shown Abraham the land he would give to him and his descendants in, in, in Genesis chapter 13. And God had also given him the power to fight, y'all. My God. And look look at this. He even gave him the the blessing from Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. You find that in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, how he was blessed, 18 and 19, how he was blessed. And uh, the the king of Salem, Melchizedek, we know was the king of Salem, and he said, "Blessed be Abraham." But he said, and he said, "Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth." And that's just how good God is. He will command the blessing, y'all. My God. So Abraham believed God, and he counted it as righteousness. And it's so important for us to understand this imputed righteousness because we know that this righteousness comes to us by way of Jesus Christ, those that believe into him. And, it's our, and, and, and really it's our faith in the promise of the cross that leads God to deposit righteousness into our account. It has been imputed or accounted to us Righteousness has. Thank you, Lord. We need to say thank you, Jesus, right there. Hallelujah. Because Jesus came and he lived a sin-free life, sinless, a perfect life. And he showed us righteous living before our Heavenly Father. And he kept the whole law of God, not just half of the law. He kept the whole law of God right down to the T to the or to the I. Every I I dotted and T crossed. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, his righteousness is imputed into our account. So, yes, when we say to people that we have imputed righteousness and people tell us that, oh, you're not perfect, you tell them, but we, we serve a perfect Savior. We serve Jesus Christ who is perfect. And because of him, We have righteousness. The third point I want to make is that we are to believe God's word and his promises. Abraham was often living in between the promise of God and the fulfillment of the promise. And God had already reassured him of his future. 
the future that he had planned for Abraham, my God. And God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And we must believe his word as his people, y'all. He is our God. He's our heavenly father. And we are indeed his people. We have great and precious promises by way of Jesus Christ. We believe in the redemptive power of Christ. We believe in restoration. We believe in cleansing. My God. Yes, we were all filthy rags in our muck and miry clay, my God. And we believe in forgiveness, and we definitely believe in the kingdom that he has planned for us. Hallelujah. So what does God have in store for you? You must ask yourself the question, and I'll just give you the answer generally. But you may have some more detail than I do, but I'm going to say believe him and his promises. That's what he has. He has promises for you. Hallelujah. He said to Abraham, even in chapter 15, I think starting around, yeah, in verse 7, he says, I am the Lord that that brought thee out of earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Hallelujah. So God reminds him that I've given you this land to possess. And he goes on, you know, it, we know that the covenant came to be, uh, the covenant of Abraham, that he is the Lord, thy God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And this was simply the beginning, the mark of the beginning of Israel's covenant with God on Mount Sinai. And we know that here in Genesis is the beginning of God's covenant with Abraham. God had brought Abram out from Ur in order to give him the land to possess. Hallelujah. And sometimes we may have a few questions for God. But you know something? If we need clarity in our spirit, God who is spirit, my God, will, and we know that we worship him in spirit and in truth. God will speak to our spirit. He said to Abraham as he came to him in this vision, when Abraham says in verse 8, he says, Oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And then God gave him some specific instructions about bringing a heifer that was three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all of them, in verse 10 said, and he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the caucuses, Abraham drove them away. God's promise of the land brought questions up, yes, in Abram's mind. And sometimes, you know, I know it's often said, well, we shouldn't question God. But if we need clarity from the true and the living God, God is good. He's so gracious to us that he will give us not the answer that we're looking for, but he gives us the answer, his answer, the answer, my God, that he knows that it's best for it. Hallelujah. He had heard God's promises, 
And just like Abraham, there are times when we want some assurances. And all we have to do is look back over our lives and see how God has come to our rescue in the past, how he's coming to our rescue in the present, and being that he is the uh, uh, the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore, we know that he will come to our rescue in the future. All of God's promises are yea and amen. And finally, my brothers and sisters, God wants us to continue to keep our eyes on the cross. So look to the cross. When we are living in between the promises of God, hallelujah, we need to rest in knowing that he is our great assurance. He's our great comfort. Hallelujah. But when we're in between and the world seems like our situation seems so dark, it is important for us to look to the cross of Jesus Christ. When we look to the cross of Jesus Christ, we are reminded of God's great love for us. And his great promises make all things new for us. We can then look beyond our circumstances and look to what is to come. My God, when we hold fast to God's word that say in Romans 8, starting at verse 31, it says, what then? We, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He despaired, he despaired not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, not just me, y'all, for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. Sometimes the word of God is all that we have. And I'm here to tell you tonight that it is enough. So we're going to set our minds on things that are high and not things that are low. We're going to set our minds on the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He has promised us a glorious day that will come. Hallelujah. And when we're in the midst of any type of struggle, I mean anything, anything that comes to beset us, any type of struggle, it is good for us to remember his promises. My God, just as Abraham's descendants had the promised land to look forward to, we have (laughs) the establishment of Jesus' reign. We have, oh, eternal life, y'all, to look forward to. We have a marvelous marvelous heavenly future, y'all. And I know that God, according to his word, he is not slack concerning his promise, my God. But he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any of us shall perish, but that all of us should come to repentance. It is our prayer that we will continue to go out and win souls for Christ. It is important for us to continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It is befitting for us to proclaim that the Lord is our exceedingly great reward. In him we are satisfied. And in him, I mean truly satisfied. 
Glory to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight, God. We ask, oh God, that your word go out into the atmosphere, oh Lord, that it even penetrate our hearts, oh God, and give us revelation from on high, God, in terms of what this word is to do for us individually and collectively, Lord. We thank you, oh God, for the subject of reward, God. Now, God, do what you do best. Give us exactly what we need for the remainder of our teachings and our preachings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening in to today's message. We hope that this service blessed your life. Please come back and join us again next time. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you.